Hello, everyone. In junior church, you are dismissed four years old through fourth grade to walk up front, and they'll take you to junior church. Have you ever had one of those weeks where it just so many things kept piling on and you couldn't get to what you wanted to do, and, and all of it was, it was just a struggle, right? Have you, you've had those weeks? I, I've talked with several people this last week. I was having that week, and, and several others, even in this room, have been feeling that week, and it's, it's distracting, it's discouraging, but yet God is still victorious over all of it, and so we're going to stop. We're going to just pray before we get into the Word. God, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that even though there are struggles, there are pitfalls, there are divisions here in this world, that we can come united, we can come in peace, and feel the rest of your salvation. Speak to us today, God. Let us hear your words. Remove me from the equation so that we can only be in communication with you. We praise you, God. And in that we pray. Amen. So we've started a whole new sermon series in our theme this year, which is Pursue. We're pursuing uh, to have a godly heart. We've been looking at David. And now we're looking at the Psalms. And what's really nice about the Psalms is they lead themselves to be very much a topical preaching style. We've been going through different books, and so you go through with the themes that are in there. Well, the Psalms seem to stand on their own. You can preach this Psalm, and it's this theme, and then this Psalm and this theme. And and so we're going to see some of that. Um, In addition to that, Psalms is a book that exposes a very wide variety of emotions and human behavior. We're going to see the Psalm writers being troubled by circumstances and their emotions that follow that. We're going to see their fear. We're going to see them crying out in agony to God, and we're going to see them expressing thanksgiving and praise to the Lord when God delivers them. So today we're going to the very first psalm, Psalm 1. We're going to see this psalm contains a lot of good wisdom for living a good, practical, and godly life. Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinners, or sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruits in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The theme of this verse really is wisdom. It contains wise, practical advice about the benefits of avoiding some styles of living and following godly ways, embracing the law of God. And as we see this, we we see the very first word here, The very first word is blessed. Blessed is the one. And when you think of the word blessed, what do we tend to think of? Because it's hard to sometimes define biblical words here. So when somebody says the word blessed, what are they usually saying it right after? Somebody sneezes. They sneeze and we say, oh, bless you. Now, do you know the background of why we do that? Okay. Um, I don't say it, it because I've learned this background, and so 
In the olden days, what people thought was when you sneezed, you were either giving up part of your own soul or you were exercising an evil spirit that came out of the body. So then they'd say, bless you, so that your soul could stay attached or the evil spirit couldn't come back in. Now, I will agree, when I sneeze, it's because of allergies and they are evil. Okay, but that isn't true ideas of what a sneeze really is. And so putting a blessing on that person doesn't do much with that sense. It's it's more of a courtesy now. And what has happened is we have taken the idea of bless you and cheapened it. We've lowered it. And now when we come to see it in scriptures, many times we don't understand what it is. What does it mean to be blessed? The closest word in the English language, if you were going to truly just translate it, would be happy. But yet that's that's really not a good thing. Uh, we are happy when good things happen to us. And we are sad when bad things happen to us. Yet blessing is not contingent on our circumstances. Being blessed is a truth. Jesus said uh, the worst of circumstances. Look what he says in Matthew 5.11. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and say, um, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. How many of you are happy when somebody lies about you? Well, right, none of us. Um, because it's wrong, it brings harm against us. And yet, what is Jesus saying here? He said, blessed are you when bad things happen to you because of me. In other words, when people insult you, persecute you, and say bad things about you because you are living as a Christian, it has to have that contingent on it. You are blessed. Notice it's not if you have a happy circumstance. You are blessed. means you're lining up your identity with Christ. You are suffering with Him in that. And to be honest, I don't think you can be a Christian and grow in your faith unless you experience some of those things. Because Jesus said, when you are persecuted, which means we are going to be persecuted because of our faith. And unless you occasionally have somebody that insults you for your faith, possibly persecutes you or spreads malicious lies about you, you are not really living in the light in front of all these people. Jesus said, you are blessed when this happens. Now, Psalm 1, we can see three verbs that tell us how to be blessed. And it's more than just happy. Three verbs that are we are very much familiar with. The first part, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. What is the idea of walking here? What does walking mean? It means going from one destination to the other. And they're not to be walking in counsel or in the advice. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the advice of the wicked. So what is wicked? You're getting a little insight into how I'm breaking down the psalm so I can see what God wants to say in this. Wicked is ungodly, full of sin. And I think what the psalmist is saying here is avoid following the advice of ungodly people, people whose values do not line up with ours and, more importantly, do not line up with God's. Really, we receive advice all the time, everywhere. We receive advice through emails we get. We, we get it through the Internet. We receive advice from media, um, movies, social media. 
We receive it through friends and family members. We, we receive advertisement advice. And all those things are basically telling you how to live, how to spend your money, what you need to do to be happy. And sometimes advice is good and sometimes it's bad. But to be blessed, don't walk with the wicked. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. And here's why this is so important. When you choose to walk with someone, you are in agreement with them. You are following through and saying your identity is with that person. So don't walk with the wicked. Because you are agreeing with them in that. Psalmist goes on to say, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinner. Now, look at that verse. Nor stands in the way of the sinner. When I first read that, I'm like, shouldn't we stand in the way and keep people from going into sin? Are we supposed to try and stop them? And so I had to break this down, and that's, this isn't saying don't be a roadblock. That's not what he's saying. This means do not stand on the same pathway the sinners are using. If you choose to stand in the pathway of sin the roadway of sinners long enough, what's going to happen? You're going to start walking down that path. You're going to start following that. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, There's a path before each person that seems right, but in the end, it's death. That's that pathway of sin. Now, now look at that. Look at this verse. Many people are living this verse, even in this own room. You think the path before you is good, you like it, but it is a pathway of sin, and it always leads to death. But it, but it makes me feel so good. I, I don't care. It's a sinful path. It's a dead end. Don't stand in there. To be blessed means to don't stand in the pathway of sin. Don't stand in it. We're not supposed to stand on sin. We're supposed to stand on the truth of God. And people get caught up in the pathways of sins all the time. They stand there and over time they get caught up in gambling or sexual, sexual sins outside of marriage, drugs, lying, homosexuality, drunkenness, just to name a few. When we fall into these sins when we stand in the path of sin for too long. A blessed person avoids that. The rest of verse 1, see we're only a third of the way through verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Not only is it blessed to avoid the counsel of the wicked, blessed to not stand on the pathway of sin, but you are blessed when you do not sit in the seat of scoffers or mockers. Now, a mocker is basically someone who ridicules, Others, someone who has contempt, contempt towards others, particularly God's authority. To be blessed, don't sit in contempt. Contempt is that feeling that the person, the circumstance, the government, whatever else is beneath you. When you sit in contempt, you are placing yourself above others. And you are saying that they are considered worthless and deserving scorn. How many of you, when a car drives by and you hear that loud music, you just want to mm, 
playing that loud music so loud. For those who hear that, I'm sorry, that's probably me. Could be Larry Yoder. He does that a lot. I was going to call him out. He's not here, so I'm saying it anyway. Do you know Scripture doesn't say that you have to play music at a reasonable volume? It doesn't. So, uh, however, just by playing it loud doesn't mean it's good. Not all music is good. There are some obscene forms of music out there. I've heard lyrics of a certain kind of song. It repeats over and over, and I can't say all the words, but it says, blank the police, blank the police, blank the police. And that's what some of these people are listening to and claiming is good music. Anyone who plays that song, anyone who supports that uh, person who wrote the song and performs it is mocking the authority of the police. Basically, they're saying, I don't care about your law. I don't care what they do for you. This is my law, and I am better than you. I can guarantee you, somebody who mocks the authority of the police or teachers or whatever, they are definitely going to also mock the authority of God. If they can mock somebody they see, how much more will they mock someone that they don't even know and can't see? And when you mock the law of God, you're going to miss out on the blessings of God. That's just a fact. If you mock his law, you miss the relationship. Here's the truth of that. We become like those we hang out with. I read a statement that said you'll be exactly the same person except for three things. In five years, you will not change except for these things. You will change based on the books you read, the movies you watch, and the people you hang out with. You will never change except for those things. What kind of books are you reading? What movies are you watching? Are you filling your, your mind with? What type of people do you hang out with? We, we have a saying, um, Casey actually started it, that when we see something negative that is around our boys, we say, hey, that's a red flag. We need to stop this. That, that's, that could influence you. That could corrupt you. Red flag, stop. How many times are we doing that? Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 15.33, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. You could be a greatest person around, but if you're constantly surrounding yourself with bad morals, guess what's going to happen to you? It pours into you. You take on those things. Bad company ruins good morals. Just think about those things you're watching, you're reading, and the people you're spending You need to remember this because it's scriptural. It's true. The first psalm tells us three things to avoid. Do not walk with the wicked. Do not stand on the pathway of sin. And do not sit in contempt. So if those are the things we avoid, what should we do? Psalms 1. So it says, uh, verse, blessed are those people. Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day day. And night. Don't do those three things, but here is something you must do. To be blessed, we must delight in the law of God and, and I capitalize that on purpose, and meditate on the law. You can't just like the Bible. You have to meditate on it. The Old, Tis- Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the New Testament was written in Greek, right? So in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for delight, I had to look this up, 
has a built-in assumption of intrinsic value. It is not just enjoying something. It is says that I delight in it because I take it, put it into my life, and into practice. It's not that I just like it. Some people will say, well, I don't like the idea of law. How many of you like the idea of laws governing and controlling you? That's why so many people say the speed limit's a suggestion. Because they want to get rid of the law idea. Now, I am not advocating for delighting in, over the speed limit. Don't do that. Don't sit there and say, ah, the preacher said I could. Okay, don't do that. But don't look at the word law here in Scripture. Instead, look at it as life-giving instruction. That's what God's trying to give here. When we delight in the life-giving instruction of God, we take hold of that and place it into our hearts and our minds and live accordingly. That's what this word law really should mean here. The meaning of this phrase in the Old Testament time they had five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They called that the law. That's all they had. And God followers believed by reading the law, meditating on it, they would receive life-giving instructions. People would take time as a family, as they were traveling, and they would meditate. They would reread the scriptures. They would memorize them, share them with one another. Now, when you hear the word meditation, many times we get the wrong idea. Meditation is not sitting cross-legged, holding your arms out and going, Om. Okay? That is not meditation. That is actually emptying your mind. And when you empty your mind, you allow Satan a great place to move into. Meditation is actually filling your mind with more of God's Word. You take the Scripture and you put it in your mind and you mull over it. You meditate on it. You look at it from every angle, every way you can. Figure out each little word. Why did he say this? What does this imply here? And you keep going over and over and breaking it down. Meditation is filling your mind, not emptying. If you want to be blessed, fill your mind with the Word of God. That's really what he's saying here. Now, when this was written, they only had a portion of the Word. They had five books, which means we've got a whole lot more of Scripture that we can fill our minds with. But how do we do that? There is a lot of books. How many books are in the Bible? Anyone know? Sixty-six, that's right. But I want you to focus on one verse about filling your mind. Just one verse, okay? We're not even going to look at the five first books. We're going to look at one verse, John 1.1. 1, 1. This is what I want you to remember and meditate on this, and I believe it will change not only how you see the Word of God, the Bible, but how you see that it is not a list of rules and regulations. Instead, it is not a do of do, don'ts. It is more about Jesus. In the beginning was the what? The Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who is he talking about here? He's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the Word. You need to meditate on the Word of God. That's what Psalms 1 is really saying, the Word, the law of God. And who is the law? Who was the law in the beginning and is now? Well, if we really want to understand this verse, we can't just memorize this verse. Look what else it says. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus says, I am the Word of God. I am the light of the world. Which means we need to meditate on Jesus. And when we meditate on Jesus, it's not a list of rules, of do's and don'ts, of regulations. When we meditate on Jesus, it turns into a relationship. There's a book called A Celebration of Discipline, written by Richard Foster. It is about the spiritual disciplines that we need to do. And, and disciplines here means, you know, we got to... We don't wake up and just say, oh, I think I'm going to memorize the Scripture and I'm going to learn to pray and, and tell people about Jesus. We have to force ourselves to learn these disciplines. And the ones he talks about is prayer, Bible study, worship, and meditation. This is what he says about meditation. What happens in meditation is that we create an emotional and spiritual place which allows Christ to construct an inner sanctuary of the heart. When we meditate on Scripture. He says what it does is it creates this sanctuary within us where Christ can dwell more richly and in tune with us. You create church in you. That's really what This room is not a sanctuary. This is an auditorium. This room is not sacred, which is where sanctuary comes from. What is sacred is the relationship that God has within us. He wants us to put a sanctuary in there. Which means you don't just go to church on Sunday. You are the church. And you take that relationship, that Word of God, with you. You have the church with you all day long. That is why in John, when Jesus says you are not going to worship in Jerusalem at the temple, you have the Spirit of the living God within you. You are the temple. You have a church going on inside of you 24 hours a day. As long as you want to go. Now think of that next time you want to speed. Is that how the church would do it? Think of that the next time that you just kind of want to go through that aisle and slow down so that somebody has to just pause and realize that you matter too. The more you meditate on God's Word, including the Psalms, you have a whole worship band within you. You have God's Word. You have a sermon. You have everything you need to do church right there in, you, in your heart as long as you have meditated on His Word. Memorize it. Which is going to cause you to want to pray even more because you have this sanctuary in your heart. It's going to cause you to want to worship out loud because you have a sanctuary in your heart. It's going to make you want to tell other people so that they can come to know the Christ who can move into your heart. And this rough week that many people have been having, the result is over time, if you keep meditating over Scripture time and time again, before you know it, you're able to deal with any situation that life throws at you. Because you have the strength of God living in a sanctuary in your heart. Let's go to verse 3. 
The psalmist says this person who meditates, who, who does not walk in the council, does not stand in the path of sin, does not sit with mockers, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. A person who does not walk with the wicked, who does not stand in the sin path, who does not sit in contempt, a person who does delight in God's word and does meditate on the word, that person is like a tree. And the imagery the imagery here is not a little twig or sapling. This is a major, huge tree. What is the purpose of a shade tree out in the field? Kind of obvious. To give shade for who? A person who's walking by who is hot and they need rest. When a person delights in the law and meditates on it and avoids those other things, they become this living tree who gives a place for people of the world to find rest. And notice it said fruit, who will provide nourishment. When we purposely live as God calls us to, we will be blessed. And when we are in a blessed life, our spiritual life is like this mighty tree, strong, vibrant. Notice its leaves do not wither. I've already started noticing some of the trees have started turning colors. Fall is almost here, apparently. And so these trees are going to drop out of the color. Well, the one who meditates, they never have to do that. A healthy tree is going to stay vibrant and produce nourishment. That fruit can come in all sorts of sizes and flavor. But it is critical that a person who meditates and delights in the law of God will always produce fruit. That's what it's saying here. But what kind of fruit? Well, Galatians 5 tells us the, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law. There's that word again. Against such things. There is no law. There is no word of God that will ever go against these things. Because they are the foundation of life in God. And I want you to notice, it doesn't say um, these kinds of fruit in plural. The, the Greek here is actually singular. The fruit that we get because we're living a blessed life produces all of those. Now, I'm going to just tell you, there's a few up there that I don't really care if I produce. I mean, how many of you really want to be patient? Okay. How many of you really want to be gentle and self-controlled? Joy, peace, love, sure, absolutely. But tell me to be patient. But these are all contingent on each other. They all come in one fruit. When we meditate on God's words, these things will come into our lives. And all of a sudden, you'll find yourself loving the unlovable. 
You'll find yourself at work, even with the people that come against you. And you're going to be kind and joyful with them. Giving that kindness, and they are expecting you to be mean because they've insulted you or told lies about you, like Jesus says, blessed are you when this happens. The more we meditate and delight in God's Word, the more our lives are actually producing life-changing result in others. When you are blessed, you will impact others. Now look at that that word up there, or that phrase. And that means if we are not blessed, and the impact here is a spiritual positive blessing. When we are not blessed, we will not impact them for God. And I've noticed in my life so many times when I am not meditating and delighting in a relationship with God, I impact people the wrong way. No matter what we do, we impact people. But there's only one way to impact them with a positive spiritual benefit. The psalmist says your leaf will not wither. If you stay connected to the source, you are going to have this fruit for the rest of your life. That means from the minute you walk out of the baptistry until you take your last earthly breath, you are going to have fruit available from your spiritual life. He goes on to say, in all that he does, he prospers. That means you will be good at this. We're not talking about material prosperity. We're talking about prosperity in the kingdom of God, which is totally different than the world. Prosperity in the kingdom of God is eternal. Prosperity in the world is temporary. The lowest form of prosperity and success in the kingdom of God, the lowest form is something we cannot achieve here on the earth. Let me say... The lowest form of success in heaven is something we could never achieve on our own here. It is that much better and bigger. And so what this means is when we are blessed, we spiritually prosper. I've heard so many people say, I just don't know how to get into to know God's will. I just don't know how to find out what God wants for my life. Meditate on His Word. Delight in what God says, even if you may not like it. There's a psalm that speaks about this. That's Psalm 84.10. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. I would rather be a servant, the lowest servant in heaven, than one of the greatest people on the earth. And that says a lot. We're not going to break down the rest of these verses in this uh, this psalm here. Basically, um, they further show the distinct difference between living a blessed life in God or living the wickedness of the world. One leads to life, the other one leads to death. The blessed man, the blessed woman, the blessed king, the blessed child is anyone who is blessed by God does not get caught up in bad advice. The advice that does not coincide with God's word, any advice that does not coincide with God's word is bad advice. Why would anyone who calls themselves a Christian, a believer, ever listen to bad advice givers? Don't stand in the way of sinners. Don't stand in that pathway of sin because you'll find yourself moving in that path sooner or later. 
Do not sit in the seat of mockers or in contempt. Don't hang out with people who are full of contempt or you are going to start resembling them. So don't do those things and instead get full of God. Get hungry for God's Word. And take it seriously. Take it very seriously. Learn it and delight in it because once you get it, I can tell you from experience, once I really started reading Scripture for myself, I couldn't get enough of it. I wanted more. And, and there are a lot of people say, man, it's just it's overwhelming to think I've got to read all this and understand all of this. You don't have to understand it all. God's going to teach you it. It's not like you've got to figure it out. But learn and delight in it because in it you're going to find true life. And as you meditate on that word, think about it and feel yourself in that. You're going to start seeing your life producing this fruit that is impacting other people for the kingdom. If you're here today and maybe you've been listening to bad advice. Maybe you've been listening to ungodly advice. Maybe you've been walking on that path of sin and now you are actually moving along that pathway. Maybe you've been sitting in a, in a chair of contempt. Finding yourself surrounded by mockers who are putting God down. I would say based on this psalm, walk away from that. Walk away from all of that. Grab God's word. Pick it up. And let God's word penetrate you. To bring and make that sanctuary when you're within your heart. Are you and I living a life that is blessed? I'm not talking about bank accounts and vehicles or homes. I'm talking about your spiritual life that people can look and say, that person is blessed by God. Because right here is how we do it. Don't do those three things and do these two things. Meditate and delight on God's Word. Are you living your life matched up with these truths? Psalm 1. Because if we do, that shows we are pursuing a godly heart after God. Let's stand and pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word can be life-changing, that your word can impact us, that your life-giving word can change our destination from hell to heaven. And God, right now, I ask for forgiveness that we have not taken it seriously, that we've fallen into the traps of the, the wicked advice, the sinful paths, and the, those in contempt. Forgive us, God, of not taking your word seriously. And God, right now, I ask that you would move in the life and the heart of this church, that you would arise us, that you would awaken us to the commitment and the power of your word, which is Jesus. And help us to take hold of this living word so that it changes our lives, and then we can change the lives of those around us through your power. God, we so many times forget how awesome and truly pure, perfect, and holy you are. Help us to take hold of that again. In your son's name we pray.